Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. Thank you, Lord, for not leaving us alone, which you promised that you wouldn't do. You said that you would not leave us alone, that you would be with us even to the end of the world. And so, Lord, this morning we pray that you would be with us in this class and teach us now as we open your word in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so here we are in Genesis chapter 30 and beginning now at verse 8. And Rachel said, with great wrestlings have I wrestled with my sister and I have prevailed. And she called his name Naphtali. When Leah saw that she had left bearing, she took Zilpah, her maid, and gave her Jacob to wife. And Zilpah, Leah's maid, bare Jacob a son. And Leah said, a troop cometh, that she called his name Gad. And Zilpah, Leah's maid, bare Jacob a second son. And Leah said, happy am I, for the daughters will call me blessed. And she called his name Asher. And Reuben went in the days of wheat harvest and found mandrakes in the field and brought them unto his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, give me, I pray thee, of thy son's mandrakes. And she said unto her, is it a small matter that thou hast taken my husband? And wouldst thou take away my son's mandrakes also. And Rachel said, Therefore he shall lie with thee tonight for thy son's mandrakes. And Jacob came out of the field in the evening, and Leah went out to meet him and said, Thou must come in unto me, for surely I have hired thee with my son's mandrakes. And he lay with her that night, and God hearkened unto Leah, and she conceived and bare Jacob the fifth son. And Leah said, God hath given me my hire because I have given my maiden to my husband, and she called his name Issachar. Now, in our last study, what we saw here in verse 13 was when Leah said, happy am I, for the daughter shall call me blessed. And she called his name Asher. And Leah was just thrilled to have this boy, and she expressed this happiness of hers by naming him happy. That's what Asher means. But we also saw something very disturbing about Leah when she said in verse 13, for the daughters will call me blessed. That was disturbing. That was disturbing for us because we've seen what this fight with her sister Rachel has done to Leah. Leah was at the highest point in her spiritual life. At the last chapter, in the last verse in the last chapter, Genesis 29, verse 35, where it says, and she conceived again and bare a son, and she said, now will I praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah. And then it says, and she left bearing. And at that point in Leah's life, she had risen above her greatest problem of her, of her husband not loving her. And she had come to this place which is called in the Hebrew sakrab, means safe. 
In Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and is sagrab and is safe. So she ran to the Lord at this point in her life, and the Lord caused her to rise above, that's what the word means, above the problem of her husband not, uh, not loving her, her husband hating her. But there were two words that were at the end of the verse that told us something very important when it said, and she conceived again, bare a son, and, and then she said, now will I praise the Lord, and therefore she called his name Judah. Those two very important words are, she left bearing. So when Leah had reached this high point in her spiritual life, and she just had another baby, and she didn't know that she would stop having babies when she named him Judah, praise, but Leah was at that high point in her life, and she didn't know she was heading for another trial of not having children. And as far as Leah knew at that point, when she named that child Judah a praise, she's just going to keep on having one baby after another. That's what she thought. She didn't know that, that, that after four, that was her stop. So when Leah stopped having children and Rachel began to have children, that was just too much for Leah. That was a new tribe for Leah, and so she backslid. She lost all of the spiritual ground that she had gained when she had Judah. And when Rachel declared that she was the winner in the fight with Leah, that just triggered Leah into this fight that led to her giving her handmaid to her husband to have more children. And then the first one, as we saw, that Leah had, she gave a military term to Gad, or troop, and she was in the fight. And the second one, we saw how Leah now switched her interest from what God would say about her to her new interest about what the daughters would say about her. And we can see how Leah in her trial has pushed God right out of the picture. And we saw how Leah was just really concerned and all wrapped up in these two very important words when she said in verse 13, Leah said, happy am I for the daughters will call me blessed when she said, happy am I, and the daughters will call me, see those words, I, me, focus on. So Leah's priority now is whether or not she's happy in life, and what's important to Leah is what the daughters will call her blessed. See, what a difference, instead of saying, happy am I, if she would have said, happy is God. I mean, what a difference for Leah. Instead of saying, the daughters will call me blessed, if she would have said, God would call me blessed. See? And this is always what you hear when people go and, and get a divorce and, and they say, I wasn't happy. And, my, and, and I should, God wants me to be happy in life. <laughs> so because an obedient believer has one priority in life, to make God happy. An obedient believer, he finishes his day, he puts his head on his pillow at night, and he, he asks the question, he says, God, were you happy with me today? Because if you were happy, then I'm happy. That's not Leah. See, an obedient believer says to God at the end of the day, God, I tried to make you happy with me today, and if I did, then I'm happy. Then I'm, I'm Asher, I'm happy. See, an obedient believer doesn't care what other people think about him. He only cares about what God thinks about him. You know, Putin was recently interviewed, and he says, people think that people say that you're like the czar. His response was, who cares? <laughs> I'm not saying Putin was an obedient believer. Anyway, so it's very sad for us to watch this shift with Leah. So when we come to the end of verse 13, the competition, so what it is, it's a competitive fight. 
between Leah and Rachel has become really intense, and they're keeping score. Four children to Leah, Leah's credit, two children to Leah's credit through Leah's handmaid Zilpah, two children to Rachel's credit through Rachel's handmaid Bilhah. So the score is Leah six, Rachel two. But then again, who's keeping score, right? <laughs> now, now we come to verse 14, and it seems to be a really pleasant scene. It looks nice, you know? I mean, it's like a welcome break from this intense fight between Leah and Rachel. And so we read in verse 14, it says, And Reuben went in the days of wheat harvest and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother Leah. That's so nice. It just looks nice. It's like, oh, boy, at least we got a break from all this fighting between the two sisters, and we got this nice little pastoral scene here. It's very nice. It's a time of wheat harvest. It's springtime. It's around May. The fields are covered with white and green flowers. There's wonderful fragrances in the air. And among these flowers, this yellow, strong-smelling fruit about the size of a nutmeg. And it's a mandrake. And when you think of that scene of of springtime there, it's really nice. Have you ever thought of how the Lord Jesus Christ has has not just filled this this his earth with great food to eat, but he's also filled the, the earth with beautiful sights and and wonderful smells to enjoy. You know, we're guests on his earth. This is his earth, and it's for us that he's filled the earth with with the, with the great food to satisfy us and the beauty and the fragrances. That's our Lord Jesus Christ who's done that. It's so easy uh, uh, to, to just thank him for just doing all that for us. I mean, we should. It's a good thing. Look at food. Acknowledge. Give thanks to the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave us that food. Look at beauty. Acknowledge. Look, smell the fragrances. Acknowledge that he gave us all that to enjoy. You know, something very nice I like about the typical start of most Hebrew prayers they always start off with this phrase. It's very easy just to say them by rote and not even think about what they mean. Baruch melech olam, and it goes on, me. So in other words, it's translated, blessed art thou, O Lord our God, king of the universe, who, and then it goes on to say, it's just thankful for, you know, like a Sabbath, a, you go on and said, and they say that first part, and they say, you know, baruch atah adonai, eloheinu melech olam, and then it says, hamotzi lechem, Min ha'aretz, which means, you know, blessed art thou, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who brings bread out of the earth. I mean, how amazing is that? (laughs) Dirt. He brings bread out of dirt. It's easy to thank the Lord Jesus Christ rather than to spend all this time and money searching for, searching on other planets for the possibility of life like Mars. You know, in order to be able to say, God had nothing to do with it. The Lord Jesus Christ had nothing to do with it. That's really what's behind all that. You know, the, this life and, and the great food and, the, and the, the, the beauty and the fragrances. Anyway, uh, getting back to the point of our study here. Here in verse 14, this is little Reuben. You know, he's only about four or five years old, little fellow. It's so nice. He's gone out to play in the fields. It looks nice. And here he finds these yellow, strong-smelling fruit has just caught his eye. And he doesn't know what he's found. Or maybe he does, I don't know. But, but he's sure, he's found something important. And so he thinks, of, boy, this is going to make my mom really happy. 
So he, he gathers them all up, brings them home. I mean, there's the little guy. And all the while thinking how happy his mom's going to be when he brings these things home to him. And see, we just see him running there, you know, to, to his mother, Leah. And he's all excited over the fruit that he's found in the field. And look, mommy, look, mommy, look at this pretty fruit I gathered up here. I, I brought them for you. Yeah. And Leah sees the fruit and she knows exactly what they are. Now, what are they? Well, in English, it's called mandrakes. Now, and so what it is is that the roots of, the, of these little plants, they're extracted and they make a kind of a narcotic, which is a strong aphrodisiac or, you know, love potion. Now, drake, drake is the old English word for dragon. So mandrake means something like a dragon that overcomes a man. So in, in Hebrew, there's the word Dudai, Dudai, which comes from, this may sound funny, but it comes from the word dude, but it's not the dude you're thinking of. <laughs> it's a Hebrew dude, which means to boil or a lover, see? So another place we find this word, use these mandrakes, is associated with the smell, where it says in Song of Solomon 7.13, where it says, the mandrakes give a smell, and at our gates are all manner of pleasant fruits, new and old, which I've laid up for thee, O my beloved. See, the Greeks... They call these roots love medicine. Hmm? Love potion number nine. <laughs> okay. Now, since there's a problem as to whom Jacob is going to love, this loved medicine was in high demand. <laughs> and so, as a matter of fact, really, when you do look at verse 14, it's, it's just a little suspicious the way it reads. You know, Reuben went in, went in the days of the wheat harvest and found mandrakes in the field and brought them into his mother. You know, it's a little suspicious because when you read that Reuben went and found mandrakes in the field and brought them unto his mother, it, it really leads us to believe that, that Reuben was sent out by Leah to find those plants and to bring them to her, you know, which is another reason why this history of the people of God is, seems something like we should be reading about this in the Journal of Clinical Psychology rather than the Bible, you know. <laughs> something very dysfunctional about this family here. So not only do the names reflect this intense family conflict, but the children now are being put in direct involvement in the fight between the sisters, so Reuben, he brings in these love narcotic mandrakes home to his mom. It's very interesting that how when a person is young, that the course of their life can be set in a wrong direction, especially in sexual perversion. And I was just talking to an Israeli friend of mine, and I won't tell you what he told me that happened to him because he doesn't want it to be said. But let me just say this way, at the age of 14, his own mother set him in a course of sexual perversion. Well, this is what has happened to Reuben. And what happened to Reuben later in life? He raped one of his father's wives. So when Rachel saw that Leah had these love narcotic mandrakes here, we read what Rachel said in verse 14. And it says, And Reuben went in the days of wheat harvest, found mandrakes in the field, and brought them to his mother, Leah. And Rachel said to Leah, Give me, I pray thee, of thy son's mandrakes. So for all of this history, we're seeing a war between Rachel and, uh, and Ra Rachel and Leah, and they're waging this war through Jacob. Lucky man. <laughs> but we've not seen the warring parties, Rachel and Leah, speak directly to each other. Now they're speaking directly to each other for the first time. 
And this is a change that we're seeing here in verse 14. Because now for the first time, the warring sisters are speaking to each other. And Rachel's words to Leah about the mandrakes is Leah is saying, that's not fair. That's not fair for you to be the only one with those love narcotic mandrakes. He says, it is not fair. Give me some of those. Give me, I pray thee, of thy son's mandrakes. So now Leah has heard Rachel protest directly to her with her, that's not fair for you to be the only one who has that secret weapon of the narcotics here. And now Leah, now it's Leah's turn to speak for the first time directly to Rachel, which is what she does. And we read these words where in verse 15, and she said unto her, is it a small matter that thou hast taken my husband? Wouldst thou take away my son's mandrakes also? See, so Leah has said, okay, okay. See, then Rachel goes on to say, therefore he shall lie with thee tonight for thy son's mandrakes. So, so then, so see, see, Leah says, okay, since you are talking about what's not fair, I'll tell you what's not fair. And she says, and she says in verse 15, thou hast taken my husband. That's not fair. So when Leah said to Rachel, thou hast taken my husband, we see that, that Leah views Jacob as what? Her husband. And, and even though Jacob never wanted to marry Leah, uh, Jacob only married Leah because he was tricked into it. But nevertheless, Leah says, well, who cares about that? He's my husband. Leah sees Jacob as her husband. So when Leah says to Rachel, that was taken my husband, Leah views Rachel as a thief who took Leah's husband, even though that's the one he wanted to marry. And when Leah said, that was taken my husband, Leah views Rachel as an adulteress. Who, who stole uh, Leah's husband right away from her. Okay? And when Leah, and so Leah now jabs Rachel with these words, and she goes on in verse 15. And so is it a small matter for you? Not a big deal that you have taken away my husband? So Leah is accusing Rachel of stealing her husband and not seeing anything wrong with it. And now Reuben had brought the mandrakes to Leah but to make Rachel feel badly, Leah is now accusing Rachel of trying to take the mandrakes away from a little boy. <laughs> so Leah says to Rachel, thou hast taken my husband. Boy, there's the fights on now. Well, it's been on, but now it's really on. So when a man had more than one wife, then it was that each wife had their own tent. That's a good thing, uh, there'd be homicides. And evidently, there's a tent of Leah and there's a tent of Rachel. And evidently, Jacob has chosen to be in Rachel's tent. And that irritates Leah. Because Leah knows she's got no chance of having more children as long as Jacob goes into Rachel's tent. And Rachel knows that Leah would love for Jacob to come to Leah's tent instead of Rachel's tent. So Rachel makes this proposal to Leah and that's what we have here. And in essence, Rachel agrees to kick Jacob out of her bed and out of her tent if Leah would give Rachel some of those, those love narcotics. And so verse 15, we have Rachel said, therefore, he shall lie with thee tonight for thy son's mandrakes. See? So Rachel has just made a deal with Leah that Jacob would lie with Leah for one night if Leah would give Rachel some of those love narcotics. And that's going to be used by both women to drug Jacob. 
<laughs> Jacob is going to be drugged. Jacob needs to be carrying that new test that's now on the internet, the test strip called the safe drink. And, and every time before he drinks something, he should put that on that strip and tell whether or not he's going to be drugged or not so he doesn't get the date rape. All right, well, so what's amazing in this history is that all of this accusing and proposing and deal-making is being made over which, Jacob, which bed Jacob's going to sleep in at night, and Jacob has no idea. <laughs> he is blissfully ignorant. All this furious bartering is going on over Jacob's life, and there's Jacob out in the field, completely oblivious to two women who are determining his life. That sounds familiar. No, anyway. So speaking of Jacob, here he comes in verse 16. Jacob came out of the field in the evening, and Leah goes out to meet him and says, thou must come in unto me, for surely I have hired thee with my son's mandrakes. And he lay with her that night. So now let's look at this situation from Jacob's point of view. I mean, verse 16 tells us, and Jacob came out of the field in the evening. I mean, here comes poor Jacob. He's dragging himself home at night from a hard day's work. Has he been working hard? Oh, yeah, you, could, well, you bet he's been working hard, because if you just look at the next chapter, in verse 6, Jacob comments on how hard he's been working. When he's talking, he says in Genesis 31, 6, you know that with all my power I have served your father. See, by Jacob's own words, he says, I put all my power into working for Laban in the field. So he's coming home at night. He's just exhausted. He's poured out all his power during the day. What's he been doing all day out there in the field? Well, we look at the verses in this chapter. He just jumped down to verse 29 and 30. It tells us what he's doing all day. He said unto him, Thou knowest how I have served thee, how thy cattle was with me, he said. For it was little which thou hadst before I came, he's speaking to Laban, and now increased unto a multitude. Yeah, that's what he's been doing out there in the field. He's just given us this job description for Jacob. He says, cattle with me, little, and then it becomes a multitude. Oh, okay. So he says he's been with the cattle all day. And well, what's he been doing with the cattle all day? What's he says? He says in verse 30, he says, I made it increase to a multitude. Oh, okay, Jacob, how do you do that? How do you make cattle increase into a multitude? You know, by breeding them, by breeding them all day long. All day long, I lead this bull into this cow, and I make them breed. All day long, I lead this buck into this doe and make them breed. All day long, I lead this ram into this ewe, and I make them breed. And now, having done that all day long, he comes home completely exhausted, and we read, and Leah went out to meet him and said, thou must come in unto me. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.com. Dot org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. 
Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org, Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor, founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program, has created the Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible. It's a King James Study and Reference Bible with over 2,200 total pages, 13 and a half point large font, and has over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It has Hebrew root notations in the Old Testament and over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It also includes daily bread reading notations, a tour of the Bible scripture journey, 12 custom-made full-color maps, and a full-color nine-page History of Israel timeline map. Not to mention incredible concordance and the most popular Bible scripture references section, Bible reference help section, and hundreds and hundreds of other personalized pages from Tom Cantor to grow your friendship with God. It's printed on Finland thin paper printing technology and covered in a black lambskin leather cover with gold lettering. To order your Friendship with God study and reference Bible, go to our homepage on friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. Do you have a heart for Israel and lost Jewish people in America? Then come work in Southern California as a full-time or volunteer missionary working with Tom Cantor in Israel Restoration Ministries, reaching lost Jewish people with their Jewish Messiah, Jesus Christ. Hourly wage, 401k, health insurance, company car, and phone, and other amazing benefits. Call us, 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, israelrestoration.org.